Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name, Aiden Winks. How you doing, buddy? I see you have the underdog swag on now. Yep, got some shirts, got uh, a nice dad hat. Um, I think we're going to be giving away some t-shirts eventually, too. So if you want to get ahead of the curve, maybe drop some uh, five-star reviews in the iTunes and Apple podcast. That might be a decent way to get a t-shirt. We're, uh, that's a preview for you folks. Listen to the man. I'm, by the way, back up in Connecticut, and trains had not gone by the entire day until right now. So it's only fitting. Welcome back, Josh, to the land of Metro North. So hopefully all of you have checked out our quarterback shows, our running back shows, our wide receiver shows, absolutely loaded with information. They're on the podcast feed. You can find that everywhere. They're on the YouTube channel. Go and search that. We're posting clips on there as well. Again, this is actionable information for you to win money from our employers point blank period that's all we care about that you do and to make it more fun along the way but what's more fun than filling your bank accounts so we need to close out those position groups with tight ends oh no position more gives us headaches than tight end only two tight ends last season hayden winks produced point totals of over 150 points there were five in 2019 five in 2018 that did that. What has happened to this position? Let's try to answer that question throughout this conversation today. Yep. We, we know that there's going to be one good one. His name is Travis Kelsey. After that, things get <laughs> dicey quick. So we'll, we'll try to figure it out for everybody. All right. You can find these positional rankings up on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. Let us pull them up right now and get started with, no surprise, our tight end one, the public's tight end one, Travis Kelsey. You know, a lot of people might skirt by this conversation because he's the top of the position. Hey, I want to do the opposite. I want to spend more time on it because it's not necessarily why Travis Kelsey is so good and why he's a great pick in fantasy football. I mean, he is obviously 139 targets last year, 105 receptions, over 1,400 yards, 11 receiving touchdowns. But at what cost does it take to draft Travis Kelsey? Because he's going in the middle towards the end of round one. So to answer this question, I looked back at a metric I developed called uh, better and best ball points per game. And what I do with that is I take every position and for running backs, that's the 24th wide receivers is the 36th. And for tight ends, it's looking at the, how many points the average tight end 12 on a week scored, for example, that'd be about like seven points for tight ends. And then I compare it to actually how many points 
Travis Kelsey was scoring. And if you do that for all positions, Travis Kelsey was the seventh most valuable player in last year. And of course, that's where he's going right now. He's the seventh or eighth overall pick on uh, best ball right now. So I think it's very fair. I think that uh, that factors in positional value to a, a pretty big extent. If you look at win rate data from last year as well, Travis Kelsey was an elite pick. He was going a little bit later, more in like the second round, the beginning of the second round. So you're up a couple picks. But I think that Travis Kelsey, I would take him over any of the wide receivers. And I think when you get to that tier break, uh, for us, it's around that Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, that group of guys for us. Yep. I think that's right where uh, his sweet, uh, sweet spot belongs, and that's where he's going right now. But on underdog, this these are the running backs ahead of him, and you're right. It is the tier. It's CMC, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara. That's tier one. Then we get to tier two, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Jonathan Taylor. And then it's Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill as kind of the wedge in between the next group of running backs. You highlighted how Travis Kelsey and why he's so good. I'll throw in a few more. He hasn't missed a game due to injury since his rookie season, dating back to 2013. Jeez. Travis Kelsey has a league high 126 receptions of at least 15 yards over the past three seasons. Only, only Julio Jones, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, and Tyreek Hill are also in that 100-plus club. But again, guess who's number one? It's a freaking tight end in Travis Kelsey. He's outstanding after the catch. I don't think people give enough credit for how fluid he is in that area. Uh, remember, we had Ben Fennel on when we talked about tight ends and naming Pat Fryermuth. And he went back. I mean, he watches a ton of NFL tape and just highlighted each and every reception and target that Travis Kelsey got last year. And he was surprised at kind of how simple it was. But I, I think that just points to it's not a critique. It's just how... He has an area where he wins. He's so good at it. He's in the perfect offense for it, and it crushes. It's like those seams. It's it's the curls. He sits in those soft areas, and then that like subtle shiftiness after the catch. How much of an advantage, and you kind of highlighted this, does he give at that position? And in your opinion, let's help the people out there, is that Kelsey line in round one, is it worth it? I would draft him. I think I have him like seventh or eighth overall. Um and that's where I would be drafting him. I, I think it's a, a massive advantage, and I'm not expecting Travis Kelsey to fall off a cliff. I know he's getting a little bit older, but Travis Kelsey is an absolute baller. I think he's going to age pretty gracefully just the way that he wins. And the big thing right now is look at the Chiefs' depth chart right now, a wide receiver. It's Tyreek Hill, and it's a whole lot of nothing. So he basically operates as their X receiver. They go three-by-one sets, put him over there by, uh, in ISO, and just absolutely owns corners, like legit corners one-on-one. -on -one. That's the type of dude he is. I mean, it was kind of like what Kyle Pitts was doing in college last year. I mean, that's like Travis Kelsey against NFL corners. He's done it for the last five years. He's, I mean, he's clearly in a tier of his own. He always has been in a tier of his own. And even with him aging a little bit, I think you can kind of cancel that out with the lack of weapons for uh, Patrick Mahomes behind Travis Kelsey, I mean, it's, it's him, it's Tyreek Hill, and then it's like McCall Hardman, who like is a gadget player only right now. And CEH. Like, we expect CEH to probably get about 20 more receptions this season. But your point absolutely stands. No Sammy Watkins. We know what everyone else, Demarcus Robinson, is on that roster. As long as Travis Kelsey stays healthy, again, he has done that since his rookie season in 2013. He's absolutely going to smash and that's why he's going in round one. All right, we have tier two. And again, these rankings are up on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. Mines, Hayden's, and the average between us. Tier two, 
We have Darren Waller as our tight end, too. He has moved ahead in the last few weeks, the last few months, ahead of George Kittle, who was being drafted as tight end, too. Um, an overall ADP of around 23, which I think is important context for this onesie position, since you can only start one each and every week. That's around Clyde edwards Lair and A.J. Brown, just ahead of D.K. Metcalf and Justin Jefferson. We know that Darren Waller last season was a tight end, too, 13 and a half points per game and half point PPR. That's about four points fewer than Travis Kelsey. Uh, what's your view on Darren Waller right now? So that same stat I brought up with Travis Kelsey, where he ranked seventh overall in these better and best ball points, Darren Waller was 18th overall last year. And that was about as good of a season as Darren Waller's going to have. And I think that his outlook is pretty similar just because that wide receiver corpse is basically the same as it was last year. They're just like swapping Nelson Aguilar for John Brown and maybe a, a Brian Edwards, but the rest of it is basically the same. Uh, so I think that Darren Waller is being priced pretty appropriately. I think I'm going to have him a couple spots lower than the market just because like that Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen, like I want those wide receivers over Darren Waller, but it's close. I mean, he's being drafted as like 24th overall and last year in these better and best ball points, he was 18th overall. So I get it. This is the tier where he belongs right in this. Like, I would say the third round is where he should go. I would never take him over those top 15 running backs, but this is justified and we'll get to George Kittle in a second, but I, I'm right pretty confident that Darren Waller should be viewed as the number two and George Kittle as the number three. You mentioned the target tree should be even more linear in Las Vegas. And I'll say this, Hayden, if John Brown stays healthy, he has an argument of being their best wide receiver on the roster of the season, just depending on how our guy Henry Ruggs is used. Once again, uh, target tree gets more narrow Basically, He'll get his no matter what. I mean, he might be first most in targets. He might be fourth most in targets, but I think like his floor is absolutely dependable in this offense. And I think a lot of people just view him as this athletic freak, which he absolutely is. I mean, in fact, one of my first shrine games I ever covered, uh, he was a wide receiver prospect down there and he's gone through this crazy journey and now he's really emerged, but he just had 20% of the snaps in the slot last year. That's less than George Kittle. That's less than Cole Komet. He had 54% of his snaps in line. And that means he was around 25% out wide. They move him around. They move him around as a chess piece. And he's absolutely amazing in the red zone. Um, 27 red zone targets last year, five more than, than Travis Kelsey. So, look, we don't love the Raiders as a team this year. It feels like we don't love the Raiders as a team any year heading into the season. Hayden, so I guess my biggest concern is, like, what if the Raiders do take a step back versus what they showed last season? You know, the offensive line might get worse. Derek Carr can absolutely get worse. He was eighth in PFF's passing grade last season is that at all a concern for you a little bit but that's why i'm discounting him a, a little bit compared to um where he's drafted i i just i mean he's just so good like he proved last year just how good of a tight end he actually is so even if the raiders are a step worse he's gonna get so much volume it's it's pretty hard to envision darren waller not finishing as a top five tight end and most likely within this top three so um, I wouldn't draft him in the second round. I wouldn't draft him at the top of the third round. But if mm -hmm. he dips a little bit, I'm happy to gobble him up in the mid to late third round. I think that's probably pretty accurate because I, I, I am with you. I think the Raiders could be a little bit worse. Like people kind of sleep on the Raiders offense last year was pretty good, like borderline top 10. And if that goes down to 17th, 18th overall, Darren Waller is going to take a little bit of a hit. Um, but I, I do think the passing offense 
involves Darren Waller first, and right. then you get into Henry Ruggs. It's such a sliding scale, I think, for this position at times, though, because I get so scared to not get one of these top names, and we'll talk about it as, as we go along. But what you're saying right now, not to point it out, but again, an ADP of 23 overall, you wouldn't take him at the end of round two. You tried to get him you know, at that 306 spot, 309 spot. You're just not getting him, basically, in any draft. Yeah, I mean, he would have to fall a little bit, and I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. All right. Our tight end three, who's going as the tight end three, it is George Kittle. Just a few spots after Darren Waller, an overall ADP of, of 26. He's in that glut of wide receivers that we love to draft, of Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. Hayden, as good as George Kittle is, and there's an argument for him being the most complete tight end in football, I still feel like there is untapped potential there in fantasy football. I mean, we have not seen an out-of-this-world season from George Kittle during his time that, you know, is linked and associated to his talent, a 15, a 16, a 17 fantasy points per game season. It just hasn't been there. Um, I mean, I think a major part of it is that he's only scored five touchdowns in any given season in the NFL. And if we ever get 10 from him, we could see an absolute explosive season. The problem is he's so, such a... They don't want to get him out in the route when they get down in the five yard line, you know? So, and like that's the classic Shanahan's probably going to run the ball a little more in the goal line than other coaches too. So um, my big concern with George Kittle is this is the biggest year where he has legit wide receivers on the team. Yeah. I watched Brandon Ayuk. I think he's legit. Debo Samuel is a good player for his role. And if you look at back at George Kittle's two huge years where he was uh, in that same tier as Travis Kelsey, his wide receivers in 2019, it was the rookie year Debo Samuel plus 10 games of Emmanuel Sanders plus Kendrick Bourne. And then in 2018, the top receivers were Kendrick Bourne, Pierre Garcon, who only played half the season, Dante Pettis. Remember Dante Pettis? And, oh, then, Marquise, and then Marquise Goodwin. So you're talking about a totally different offense where they don't have to just feed him 140 targets like he was getting those, those previous seasons. So I'm going to be a little lower on George Kittle. I hate that because... For two reasons, George Kittle is an absolute baller. Yeah. Uh, we love Kyle Shanahan. And then that 49ers schedule, I mean, the playoff schedule, folks, is outrageously good for the 49ers. So I'm a little concerned, but I think that the target competition here, plus if Trey Lance is starting and they're running the rock a lot, that kind of concerns me. But with that said, he's still the tight end three. I just wouldn't draft him at ADP right now. Okay, let's. I'm going to break this bubble. I'm going to try to make the case for George Kittle, even though I have Darren Waller. As, as the tight end, too. You mentioned it. In 2018, had 136 targets and 88 receptions. That should have equaled one of those 15, 16, 17-point years. That didn't happen. I don't expect him to get that volume, but I, again, want to return to the point how significant touchdowns scored for the position are for final outcomes towards the end of the season because this rarely is like an accumulation position, right? So much of it is those variant spots. Again, five touchdowns despite having 21 red zone targets in 2019. Again, five touchdowns in 2018 uh, on 19 red zone targets. So I think that there's some like positive regression, some nice regression that can happen during that period where it goes like closer to the mean, closer to the good area. And like, what if Trey Lance is just like special? What if he turns in this outstanding rookie season that Cal Shanahan? I always think he has because we've seen George Kittle be held back from Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard and, heck, even Jimmy G at times. What if Trey Lance just goes in there 
and just balls out completely. That's also a possibility. I'm not ruling it out, but the way I see Trey Lance being an absolute baller is like being that like dual threat, like young Cam Newton, young RG3 type, and not like Justin Herbert. I'm throwing for 30 passing touchdowns. I mean, that would be that. I mean, that would be an awesome thing that happened. But I think I think the best opportunity for Trey Lance to be a baller is to be that dual threat quarterback. Um, and I mean, he's got he's got to clean up some of these accuracy accuracy issues, but. Um, George Kittle such a baller. I don't want to talk too much crap on him. So I would love to move on if we can. <laughs> yep. There goes tier one and tier two. Before we get on down to tier three and tier four, let's answer some questions from people in the chat. Again, we are streaming live on YouTube Monday through Thursday. Go and subscribe on Underdog Fantasy. And as always, you can check out these shows in the podcast feed. Phil B from the chat. It's Noah Gray season. There's been some buzz here on Noah Gray during rookie mini camps. Uh, beat writers talking about how I mean, he was basically handpicked by Andy Reid to be a receiving type tight end. Hayden, last year, the Chiefs played just 18% of their snaps in, in 12 personnel. So, so two tight end sets out there on the field, just 209 snaps. I highly doubt we see like a significant change in how they deploy these players, but it could be in pivotal areas like the Red Zone. Possibly. No fan or no gray is not going to do anything this year in dynasty. All right. Sure. Travis Kelsey getting uh, older and uh, maybe paired with Patrick Mahomes, he can break out, but uh, there was nothing about Noah gray's profile that really excite me. I-, I will say I wouldn't be surprised if the chiefs ran a little more 12 personnel just because the wide receiver group yep. is worse and they kind of changed the way that their offensive line is structured more power guys. Yep. Um, so maybe they, they tinker with it and they add a little more two tight end sets with it, but I'm expecting nothing from Gray this season. One more from our guy Casey in the chat. Kittle was tied in two, taken up until about a month ago. What happened to warrant the change? I think we basically covered this, that you know we've seen Darren Waller, even on a suspect team, an average team, might be more apropos of saying it, rack up targets. Now their number one, number one wide receiver is gone, and we just expect him to be a very consistent and constant playmaker in that offense period. I just think people did more research and yeah. looked at it. Um, it's, it's very easy to like copy paste George Kittle. He's the best or second best tight end in the league and just c- put that right into fantasy rankings. But if you look at Darren Waller's season last year, I think that uh, the math, at least my math, tells me that Darren Waller is probably uh, the number two. And that's not a great sign because my math, uh, if you looked at my high school <laughs> math math grades, you would you would be fading me pretty hard right now. Oh, if only Mrs. James knew where you were from algebra. To StreamYard. That's where we are. All right. Now let's go to tier three and tier four. Uh, let's start with the first two. And, and our tight end four, who is going as tight end four, uh, is Kyle Pitts. We know that Kyle Pitts, an overall ADP of 47. That's just after Josh Jacobs and Jamar Chase, just before Tyra Lockett and uh, Mike Davis. And we know that Arthur Smith is now the head coach in Atlanta. No one across the league used multiple tight end sets last season more Then Arthur Smith, and he's an absolute wizard when it comes to red zone success. We've covered this on the quarterback episode. He was second and first in each of the last two seasons in terms of touchdown percentage inside the red zone. And guess what? Johnny Smith saw 19 red zone targets last year, sixth most. Calvin Ridley saw 26. We're about to see Kyle Pitts catch a few touchdowns next season, Hayden Winks. Absolutely. Best tight end in my model's history. If you watched him, you would probably agree with that as well. Um, there's this uh, video of Jimmy Butler and he's in street clothes. He's sitting on the bench and some stat coach gives him a piece of paper 
and he kind of crumbles it up and throws it over his shoulder after not looking at it. That's what I'm doing with historical tight end data for rookies. Just crumble up that piece of paper, throw it right out the window. Don't even look at it. Kyle Pitts is on another level. He's going to be so much better than this like Hawkinson, Noah Fant here. Like he's way, way better than those guys. He's the number two and he's going to be used as, as an ex receiver at times. And it's just him and Calvin Ridley. And he's going to, he's going to shred. Like I, I, I don't, I don't even want to call him an outlet. Like this is like his baseline projection to me is him being an absolute baller. So I think I comfortably have him as the tight end four overall. I have him in a tier kind of above Mark Andrews and Hawkinson now, and I'm drafting him at ADP. I don't care what the historical data says. We will get explosive plays from Kyle Pitts because we've seen Matt Ryan make explosive plays to Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. We'll get design plays because we've seen Arthur Smith manufacture his magic and create open receivers of Millfield, especially off play action. And then we're going to get Kyle Pitts just winning by his own unicorn, unreal skill set because he's just a different dude. Uh, I absolutely love this ADP, Hayden, because again, it's in that spot where we're after that like must have wide receiver or running back area. I mentioned it's Josh Jacobs and, and Jamar Chase. I'm kind of okay, like punting those names and then taking Cal Pitts ahead of, again, the Tyler Lockett's, even though I love Mike Davis, the Cooper Cups, the Travis Etienne's. This is the sweet spot for me for a player we know nothing about in terms of his NFL projection and, and, and production, but I am absolutely okay shoving my chips in around this number 50 overall ADP. And Matt Ryan's going to get the ball out. We love the offensive coordinator. It's not even just about Kyle Pitts being a baller himself. It's a very good spot for Kyle Pitts to be in, especially because the Falcons' defense is so bad. Like, everything is just aligning for Kyle Pitts. It's not even just that he's an absolute baller. Like, everything has fallen into place since then. And I I, I mean, I can't remember a tight end who's had this easy of a path for liftoff this early in his career. Like, I I really want to be buying into it. And I know that goes against everything. Every spreadsheet ever, right. and I'm okay with it. Yeah, but the spreadsheets also said don't draft wide receivers who changed teams last offseason. And then we had DeAndre Hopkins and especially Stefan Diggs, who was absolutely the best ball MVP uh, last season. Don't you agree with me, though? Like, it can feel icky when you're in these drafts or just uncomfortable because you feel like you're reaching at all times and that you're tra- taking Travis Kelsey in round one to take a tight end. And I don't feel that at all when Kyle Pitts is on the board. My – Here's my question, and we know that Arthur Smith used multiple tight ends. I keep bringing it up, it feels like, in every single show. But Anthony Ferkser and Johnny Smith were used very differently. I mean, Anthony Ferkser had 71% of his snaps in the slot last year, just 11% in line. Johnny Smith played just 30% of his snaps in the slot, 53% in line. Is there one or the other? And I actually think that people underrate Cal Pitts. He's active and willing as a blocker in line. I'm not saying, like, it's a one-for-one placement here or or just projection but i actually think it might be a positive hayden that we've seen you know arthur smith use a player at that position in so many different ways i think he'll probably play like 70 percent of his snaps between slot and outside receiver like i like that i think it's going to be a lot of outside receiver and a lot of slot snaps and a little bit of inline stuff he is a tight end after all he's gonna block in line on some plays but I think that he's going to be lining up detached from the offensive line for most of the pass uh, pass attempts. And I think the Falcons are going to pass the ball a ton. It's not going to be like the Titans last year where it was just 
ground and pound, ground and pound. The Falcons are set up a little bit differently than that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, he's, it's just liftoff time. A little bit of ground and pound with Mike Davis would make my wallet very happy, but we'll get into that another time. All right. Our tight end five, who's now actually being drafted as tight end six, we'll get to that in a moment, to close out our tier three, is Mark Andrews. Overall ADP of 61, just ahead of Brandon Ayuk, Odell Beckham, Javante Williams. Ten and a half fantasy points per game last year. It felt like, though, Hayden, it was a drastic dip in what he put out in 2019. But then I went back, and in 2019, in fantasy usable weeks, 11.7 fantasy points per game. And so when Lamar Jackson is firing on all cylinders, when that offense is an absolute juggernaut, again, when his quarterback wins the MVP, is 11.7 half PPR points per contest? Is that his ceiling? I think so with Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins involved. I think that's about where he is. I mean, last year it was a career low yards per route run and it felt very inconsistent. He was dropping a lot of passes last year too. So it was kind of a weird year for Mark Andrews, but even with that weird year, he was still the tight end five per game on tight end three fantasy usage. So I think he belongs right in this conversation. I'm totally fine with his ADP, especially if you can pair him up with Lamar Jackson. I do think that the market, the more I've thought about this, they have a pretty good case for Hawkinson over Andrews, just for like a target perspective. Yeah. Okay. I'll save you. You can clear your throat here. Yeah. I I know what you mean. And and just reviewing last season again, it just felt so different, but he ran 80 more routes last year. Hayden, he just wasn't targeted as often. His yards after catch was a career low. The team was just worse, and we outlined it in our quarterback show. Lamar Jackson just was not hitting on clean pocket situations, and I love Lamar, and I think he can get back to what he was doing. He just wasn't good from clean situations. I will say, Mark Andrews, 59 of 88 targets last year were over the middle of the field. If we think that Rashad Bateman is going to be that interior player, there is going to be some give and take between – I mean, we just don't think Mark Andrews is going to be number one in targets for them now, period. Yeah, the, the ceiling is capped, and I, I'm fine with the floor play. I think he's going to be a mid-range tight end one. I, I don't think that like that uh, Travis Kelsey tear jump that we thought could have happened last year, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. You mentioned drops. I forgot to mention this with George Kittle. Uh, he actually led the NFL in drops at tight end last year, and despite not playing every single game. So, again, that's another area where he might pick up some lost production as of last season. Okay, we mentioned that Mark Andrews is our tight end five, but he's being drafted as a tight end six. These next three names, in TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, and Tyler Higby, are actually tied in our rankings for tight end six as of now. That can always change. But let's start at the top of that group. TJ Hawkinson is now being drafted ahead of Mark Andrews. Do you think that's fair, Hayden Winks? And if not, why do you think the public does? I think it's fair, and I think I need to pitch you on moving <clears throat> Hawkinson up. Tight end six on tight end six fantasy usage last year. The Lions are missing 360 targets from last year, and that includes 50% of their red zone targets. Both of those were first. Brashad Perriman, downfield threat. Tyrell Williams, downfield threat. Their slot receiver is a fourth-rounder uh, rookie. It's going to be him on all these checkdowns, and we know that Jared Goff likes to throw it over the middle. He's accurate enough, uh, and I think that Hawkinson is going to have a ton of targets this year. I think probably way more than Mark Andrews, and I think that the market was pretty sharp here. And now with Rashad Bateman, uh, the buzz kind of picking up more and more. I think that Hawkinson 
I mean, it's just going to be very hard for him to fail. And even last year, he was a tight end six, and they've lost 360 targets from last year. So are you, in a future rankings update, going to move Hawkinson ahead of Mark Andrews? So he's going to be your tight end five is what you're telling me right now. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, have him as t- I have him as tight end eight, and I'll, I'll give you the answer why. Um, the five names we've already talked about are either proven and or in a good offense. And trust me, TJ Hawkinson is an immense talent coming out of Iowa. Uh, I just do not trust the Lions as a whole, like as a good franchise. I also do not trust the Lions offense, which can, you know, make up for maybe being a bad team. And I absolutely, maybe most importantly, do not trust Jared Goff when he's not attached to, to Sean McVay. I mean, Hunter Henry, for example, when he was attached to Justin Herbert last year in an Anthony Lynn led offense, got 93 targets. Guess what? He was just the tight end 12 or tight end 11 in fantasy points per game. So, yes, he might get more opportunities. Maybe he gets 110 targets. But Justin Herbert and Jared Goff play different sports at this point, Hayden. Like, they're not even in the same galaxy when it comes to quarterback play. So, I, I don't want this, oh, he's going to get more opportunity. That means he's going to be a top six tight end. Oh, Hunter yeah. Hunter get opportunity? No, 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 no. Hunter oh, yeah, got opportunity last year with a worst quarterback in the same offense and finished as the tight end 12. Hawkinson was already the tight end six last year, and there's no Keenan Allen coming out of here to you get Matthew all these Stafford. I cannot oh, no. look. This team, like the one that Matthew Stafford just went to, said, "Oh, we need to get rid of this guy, so we can upgrade tremendously with Matthew Stafford." I 110 targets from Jared Goff to me. I mean, I truly do not. But I have this bias where I don't like drafting from bad teams. Point blank. Period. He's going to get his. Ty- Hawkinson is going to get his. It's Jared Goff isn't so bad that he can't throw a five-yard out route to did, TJ Hawkinson. Did, did, did you watch his first couple seasons with Jeff Fisher? No, I, I remember mean, I remember those days. But, I mean, he's – come on. You don't go uh, through three years of Sean McVay and then just, like, forget everything. I don't think I don't think he's that egregious where he can't throw 110 targets to Hawkinson. Well – one, Sean's not going to be in his ear until 20 seconds is left on the clock telling him exactly where to throw the football to. And so he's going to get Anthony Lynn talking into his ear. And we've seen how that results in the NFL. We've also seen, again, despite being in a great offense with really good skill players, with one of the best play callers in the NFL, Jared Goff go out there and absolutely crap the bed. That Dolphins game? Are you kidding me? Was one of the worst performances ever. What if we see that five, six times this season? I think that is more realistic than we get, oh, an average quarterback here with Detroit. But you know my feelings. I mean, he doesn't have to be average. I mean, the the whole thing is just the Lions have nobody, and they're going to be throwing the ball plenty because their defense is just as bad as their offense. And Hawkinson's going to you, – you don't watch the game. It's Thursday Night Football. You started Hawkinson. You don't watch him. You just refresh the box score after the game, and you see that six for 60 – and you walk away happy. That's all it is. How many targets do you think he gets? 110? Somewhere around there. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just see too, that Hunter Henry got too big to last fail. year. Too Hunter Henry got 93 fail. in this offense with Justin Herbert, and he only put up tight end 12 fantasy points per game. That's more realistic to me. All right. Now we move on to our tight end seven, who, well, I guess these are all tight end six once again. Dallas Goddard. I think Dallas Goddard is one of the most talented players in the NFL at his position. I think he'll finally get to show it eventually when Zach Ertz 
uh, is traded or dealt. I mean, Goddard has had some massive games in his short career already. Four for 69 and one touchdown, nine, 91 and one touchdown. To open last year, Hayden, he had eight catches, 101 yards, and another score. He had back-to-back games in week 11, week 12 of 75 yards and a touchdown. I understand it's Jalen Hurts. I understand a lot of people are projecting like bottom five in pass attempts. If we get middle-of-the-road pass attempts for the Eagles this year, Devontae Smith is going to you know, overperform and outperform his ADP, and I think Dallas Goddard is as well. I don't really have any strong Goddard takes. I know he's pretty good at the game. Uh, the the Eagle stuff worries me just because I think that Smitty is going to kind of dominate over there uh, target share-wise, and – I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure the Zach Ertz is going to leave, but that's not like maybe a full, full blown lock. Um, and I just think that some of the splits on off splits last year, not factoring in a run first quarterback and without the um, addition of, of Smitty. So I, I, I don't know what his full blown ceiling is, but I think that he belongs in this tier. I don't have like a strong stance either way. I know you've already done a tape detective on Jalen Hurts. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you pick up anything from watching Dallas Gart in those games? Not really. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe this needs to be because I, I really feel that there are moments out there where Dallas Goddard looks like a top five most talented player at his position in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the flashes of it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, we covered earlier that we think Cal Pitts is a sweet spot to draft, to draft tight ends. I actually think that this is as well because Dallas Goddard is going right ahead of like James Robinson and, and Curtis Samuel. I also want to bring up a personal favorite of yours, and I'll give you the mic for this one, in Tyler Higby. Um, he's being drafted ahead of Jarvis Landry and Marquise Brown and Antonio Brown and Mike Williams as the tight end eight overall. Again, I'm assuming that's a sweet spot in your mind. Yeah, I'm going back to the Higby well. Uh, if you look at his yards per route run and all the uh, efficiency metrics from 2019, they were elite. And then last year, he just didn't get that many routes. He was 22nd in routes run despite playing 15 of the games last year. And the reason why is he was fourth in the percentage of his uh, snaps staying in as a pass blocker at the position. So I wasn't expecting Tyler Higby to be this like blocking tight end. Um, I do wonder with Bryson Hopkins there as the number two, instead of Gerald Everett, if that's going to allow Higby to get out in the route more often, especially with Matthew Stafford, probably more steam shots from Matthew Stafford than Jared Goff. And if you look at last year, interesting. If you look at last year, Tyler Higby was still fourth out of 43 in uh, PPR points over expected per, per game. He was tight end nine in yards per out run, tight end eight in passer rating. So it's never been an efficiency problem with him. That was with Jared Goff. We know there's a quarterback upgrade. And I do think that the big difference possibly is going to be Higby out in the route more rather than blocking. And I could not expect – like I that, that made no sense to me. Why was Higby blocking – uh, so much last year. Maybe that's because of their offensive tackle situation, but um, I'm expecting a bounce back here from Higby. Wow. Matthew Stafford is a lot better than Jared Goff. Who would have known that? Um, no. Hawkinson's I, 120 targets are going to be just jammed all over your face, man. This is going to be this going to be tough scenes. Uh, no, I, I really like Tyler Higby. And again, we've had Jordan Rodriguez on the show and she's talked about, you know, they want to activate el- every eligible pass catcher on every single play. Uh, something the previous quarterback could not do and Matthew Stafford can do. So hopefully that means Tyler Higby. And we've seen that Sean McVay changes things often. Now they have even more wide receivers this year heading into the year than they have had in previous years. But I think your point when, and we'll get to Gerald Everett a little bit later on, drafting him in in round two a while ago to be like the Jordan Reed type, uh, 
Sean McVay hasn't found that type in in the NFL with with the Rams yet. But Tyler Higby, uh, again, he has like these cluster weeks where he goes for like feels like one or two or three touchdowns and then just kind of disappears. We'll see who that was on. And uh, maybe Matthew Stafford can activate him a little bit more. All right. Our tight end nine, I'll pull it up right now. Noah Fant, he's everyone's tight end nine, going as 97 overall. That's just ahead of Tom Brady, Jalen Waddell, Ryan Tannehill, Zach Moss, train going by. This is a good sign for Noah Fant right now. And I will add, Hayden, that Kyle Pitts' entry into the NFL, I think, is kind of overshadowing how much of a freak show Noah Fant is. And now in year three, you see stretches of games where it absolutely clicks here for Fant. Noah Fant, I think, could be viewed as like a top five tight end after this season. I'm a little skeptical of how much that's going to purely translate in fantasy just because you added Cortland Sutton, second year Jerry Judy. The quarterback situation is just as bad. They have Albert O. Now they have a, a run first a running back, like a really powerful guy. So Noah Fant's going to have to overcome a lot of stuff. But even with that, I'm just so bullish on him as an actual player that I had to keep him in this tier. He, and that's just kind of banking in. He's going to have to overcome a lot of obstacles in that offense. But I think that he's got enough skills to warrant uh, a draft pick in this range. I'm fine with him at ADP. He's just an absolute freak athlete. He can. He has the time to make the most of his opportunities. What What is the biggest deterrent, though? Is it Corlton Sutton, Jerry Judy, second-round running back? Or is it that he's probably – depending on offseason, going to be attached to Teddy Bridgewater? Or is it just the combination of the two? I think Bridgewater can get him the ball. It would be like Drew Locke plus the combination of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Like it's, it's, and that's not even throwing like Hamler's involved, Tim Patrick's involved. They got a second tight end that's got some Albert skills o. too. Yep. I mean, it's a, Melvin Gordon's still like a decent pass-catching running back. Javante, like they have a lot of skill guys. They have a one of the worst, maybe the worst quarterback situation in the league right now. But Noah Fan after the catch and like down the seam, I mean, forget about it. Like he has special, special skills. Um, so I, he might be one of those where he's like uh, NFL top 100 rolls around and like he gets ranked really high there, but maybe not fully top five uh, for fantasy purposes. Yeah, his rookie season, I was looking this up. Sorry. He had an average depth of target of 9.1 yards last year. It was 7.1 yards. I guess it's going to be closer to what it was last year if Teddy, if Teddy does get the start. Um, this is a good spot for tight ends. I mean, we opened this conversation of, you know, just as a whole, this group did not produce a ton of top tier performers last year. But I feel like as the years go on, we're seeing more and more extreme athletes being added to this group across the league. And Noah Fant from a talent perspective should be mentioned among the top. All right, we'll close out this tier four with Logan Thomas, our tight end nine, being drafted as a tight end nine that's just ahead of Matthew Stafford, Tony Pollard and Aaron Rodgers. I know people out there get jealous that they aren't in our Slack chat. I had a breakthrough here with Logan Thomas and I'll give it to you. I mean, he was a tight end nine last season in fantasy points per game. He just wasn't a downfield player. We keep asking Hayden, who is going to be the slot player for the Washington football team? Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin on the outside, We've heard that Adam Humphreys gets brought up. Guess who it was last year? It was Logan freaking Thomas. Just 19% of his snaps in line last season. And does that not sound like a certain tight end that played with Mike Kosicki 
in Ryan Fitzpatrick last season? Oh, it does. Gasicki was the tight end eight in fantasy points per game last year. So if we get those two outstanding players at wide receiver on the outside, I think that Logan Thomas might be able to have a field day with a new quarterback over the middle of the field, especially if he keeps up his slot percentage as he did in 2020. If this is what it takes for you to stop bringing up Adam Humphreys, then I love this take so much. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. Yeah, Logan Thomas led the NFL in or tight ends and routes run last year. Third highest percentage from the slot, like you just mentioned, was already top eight in fantasy points per game last year. Tight end four, fantasy usage, better quarterback play. Logan Thomas, like this is like, I think this is the tier why I'm lower on George Kittle and Darren Waller to a little bit of an extent is because I think that th- this group is pretty good. Here's the, the the scary part. Historically, if you look at this round six to round 10 tight end over the last five to 10 years, they have historically been awful, yeah, awful, awful, awful. Uh, part of that even last year too. Um, so that's the, the nervous part. But like you said, I think that there's a little bit of difference in athleticism in this tier all of these guys are plus athletes and you're seeing tight ends get detached from the formation like you mentioned with logan thomas more so than ever it's a matchups you got to get linebackers off the field because these guys are just built different than the other tight ends and now you're seeing more tight ends that weigh 245 pounds instead of 270 pounds so maybe there's a little bit of a a a tier jump we're going to get from this group compared to the last five to ten years and attached to a, a play caller who closely worked for Greg Olson during his you know career years, it felt like um, I'm going to move Logan Thomas up. I mean, this is such a good area. If I miss out on the cow pits that we talked about before, I am totally cool with punting the likes of Melvin Gordon and Michael Pittman and Zach Moss that are going just ahead of Logan Thomas. Uh, just after him, it's Tony Pollard, James Conner, Gus Edwards. Now, if I needed a quarterback, Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers in this area makes a ton of sense. Is it too simplistic, Hayden, to say, like, if you like Antonio Gibson this year, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that means you should also be ranking Logan Thomas a bit higher than where he's going right now in drafts? Well, our entire argument is that uh, people are underappreciating the difference in quarterback play between Washington last year and what Ryan Fitzpatrick's been doing for the last five years. So if you're just taking that philosophy and just kind of throwing it on to Logan Thomas too, I don't see why not. And I think that you and I both kind of like Scott Turner for fantasy purposes, fast pace, we'll air it out. And I think that he has the quarterback that's perfect for him, especially if uh, you're getting Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel uh, downfield and you're going to get Logan Thomas kind of cleaning up uh, underneath and over the middle. Uh, I, I really like this team. That's why we were uh, picked Washington to win the di- division too. My dog is having the most vivid dream over there. Just he's loving. He's, he's thinking about Logan Thomas slot snaps, taking those away from Adam Humphreys. That's exactly what he's thinking about. All right, let's drop down to the next tier and keep going with these tight ends. Before we get there, Hayden, let's bring up a couple questions from the chat. Um, where's a good one? Could Bateman take some tight ends or touchdowns, I should say, away from Mark Andrews? I think we covered that. I think we've talked about that on a lot of shows. The answer is yes. I mean, you and I both think that Rashad Bateman immediately comes in and is the number one pass catcher for the Ravens. Yep. I, and he wins in the same areas of the field. And that was the part of the field that Lamar jo- Jackson had nobody throw the ball to last year. So I think it's a valid point. I think that's why the Hawkinson versus Andrews thing kind of flipped flopped on us over the last month. 
from Fred Brown, Jacob Harris is listed as a wide receiver, but plays tight end. Uh, and it sounds like the Rams are absolutely in love with his development. Now, I do want to add that if there was an, ever a period where a freak show tight end is going to look great, who's trying to make the transition, this is it. But I also think part of the slow development that we always talk about, because no position develops more slowly in the NFL than tight end, you rarely see them hit you know, as top two or three round picks early on because they have to block like offensive linemen and then run routes like wide receivers. That's so much thrown at you. So I, my point is that it certainly sounds like the mental part is, all, is also slowing down for Jacob Harris so far. Jacob Harris is a dynasty guy. Uh, some dynasty websites are listing him as a tight end. And even if they aren't currently, that doesn't mean that next year they're not going to list him as a tight end. I think everyone that plays dynasty should pick him up. Uh, everyone that's going to be playing preseason DFS type stuff, preseason pick them, that type of stuff. Remember the name, Jacob Harris, but redraft, don't worry about it. All right. Those are our top 10 tight ends every single year. And I kind of alluded to it. Uh, you feel like you're reaching at the tight ends. We picked out a couple spots there. Hopefully you feel more comfortable doing it. So let's say, oh, late round tight ends. We all find our favorites no matter what. We talk ourselves into them. So let's dive into those groups right now. Hayden Winks. It's headlined by Johnny Smith. We have him as our tight end 11. He's going as the tight end 16. Let's combine this conversation with our tight end 13, who's going as a tight end 20. Johnny Smith plus Hunter Henry. That was a tight end 7 and tight end 12 in fantasy points per game last season. I mean, we know the Patriots are going to lead the league in 12 personnel, two tight end sets. I guess the public's concern is just how much each can get and that they might, as flatly as it seems like it, cancel each other out. Well, they kind of operate differently as tight ends. I think that Johnny Smith's going to be more of the move tight end. I think that Hunter Henry is going to play in 11 personnel because he's a better blocker. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Hunter Henry runs more routes than Johnny Smith this year, especially because that offensive line's so good. I'm not sure how often the Patriots need both tight ends or one of the tight ends to be staying in and blocking on passing downs anyway. So I'm happy to be above the market on both. I would never draft uh, both of them together in best ball, but I think that it's smart to get your exposure because if Mac Jones starts, they're going to pass the ball more than expected. I think that Mac Jones could distribute the ball perfectly fine to Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, and they're being paid to be legit offensive weapons. You don't get paid this much to pass block. They have the number one and the number two contracts among the position right now. I don't understand how they could be ranked this low. This is like this conversation gets so tricky here. Like in this, these list of names that you see, we don't even know if half these guys are any good at the game, any good at the game. (laughs) We know for a fact, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are actually good at football. So just by that, I want to rank them higher. And then I think that if an injury happened to one or the other, both of these guys could be, either one could pop up into like the top six, top eight tight ends. And I think that people are kind of underappreciating just how good they are and the the vision that Bill Belichick and McDaniels has for these guys. They're just doing a completely different offense than anybody. And I think that these guys are going to be actually running routes. It's not going to be like 12 personnel, just uh, always running it. I think that they're going to get this guy or both of these guys, the ball plenty. Yeah, I, I agree. My guess if I was going to put myself in the listener's shoes, the viewer's shoes, they're going to say something to the effect of, well, they might be better at football, like real football and help the Patriots win in that regard than for us on the production side. But 
they also might be the top two target getters on the Patriots this season. Like there's absolutely an avenue for that. I guess my only concern, not that they cancel each other out, which again, I think there is some of that going on right now. It's that the Patriots just aren't going to throw the football a lot. Like I, I think they really might be bottom three in past attempts this season, somewhat like the Browns last year in bottom five. And we saw them spend a boatload of money on Austin Hooper last year. And that gave them 6.6 fancy points per game in the games that Austin Hooper played last season. So I guess that might be also the concern. I mean, Hooper missed some time with injury and this is kind of a situation where like the Patriots don't have uh, the Jarvis and they don't also don't have a Nick Chubb. Like we, we correct. I mean, we don't, and, or a Kareem hunt. So like, I don't know. I, th- I think that the Patriots, these guys don't have a ton of ceiling if it's, if both of them are healthy, but if one of them misses some time, the other one's going to be pretty enticing. And I think that as your tight end two, I would rather have these guys just because they're actually, uh, you know, like good at football and that actually matters for fantasy. Stupid question. Could, if you're in best ball, could you draft both? No. Okay. I don't think so. I'm just asking the questions out there that people are going to ask us. Hayden. All right. Our tight end 12 going into tight end 13. Robert Tunyon had an awesome season last year. We're basically in consensus on that. We're also around consensus on Adam Troutman. Our tight end 14 being drafted one spot later. We've talked about that at length. With the Saints, it's just Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston. If he's the starter, they're going to need at least another pass catcher. We know the Saints absolutely love him. They trade up in the draft for him. They let Jared Cook walk because of it. And I think Adam Troutman has the opportunity there. But what you were also saying, we're not even sure if these guys are legit good for a 17-game season. And so he's one of those that have to prove that as well. And then after him, it's the likes of Irv Smith and Evan Ingram. Any of those names that you want to talk about? Uh, Robert Tunyon is due for negative uh, touchdown regression, but I mean, he has a path to a top eight ceiling. I'm not sure if like Irv Smith, I don't think does, uh, just the way that they're going to use them. Uh, coach Zimmer came out and said that, uh, Kyle Rudolph leaving only helps Tyler Conklin because Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, they, they're both listed as tight ends. They don't play the same position. Like they are not asked to do any of the same stuff. So, um, Anthony Ferkser, maybe Cole Komet and, like, I mean, Adam Troutman could do it, but we don't know if they're actually any good. So, I mean, it's just, it's a very tricky tier. It makes me want to draft, like, double dip in that Logan Thomas, Tyler Higby tier, and then not draft a third tight end. Or if I drafted, uh, like, a Waller, then I would draft one of the Patriots tight ends and get out of there. Uh, I mean, a lot of these names, like Evan Ingram, I don't want. Gronk, yeah. don't want. Gesicki, don't want. I mean, it's, it's a very tough tier. Let's talk about a couple of those because – the Ferk Daddy, Anthony Ferkser, was a popular pick among people out there prior to the Julio Jones trade. He'll still be drafted around tight end 18. I have him lower than that as tight end 19. I was, I was listening to Paul Kuharski recently, who does a great job covering the Titans, and he flatly said that the team doesn't expect Anthony Ferkser to pick up what Johnny Smith did last year. And I mentioned previously that they were basically used – Differently, that Ferkser was a slot wide receiver and Johnny Smith was their traditional inline player. He's kind of being drafted around what Johnny Smith was last year. And sure, if that efficiency sticks in terms of red zone success, he's going to be productive. But I don't quite see the breakout performance ahead that some are expecting here for Anthony Ferkser. The bold case would be if something happened to Julio or AJ Brown, I think that he's clearly the number two pass catcher. In that situation, and he is basically a slot-only player, and he was the tight end seven in yards per route runs, a pretty efficient offense. 
So I can see some path, um, but like we said, like we don't even know if Anthony Ferkser's like how actually good he is. He's never been the number one tight end on his own team. We need to talk about the tight end 11. He's being drafted there on underdog right now. He's our tight end 20, and I'll take credit for this one because I rank him as tight end 23. That is Mike Gesicki with the Miami Dolphins. There is no player on underdog right now, Hayden Winks, who needs their ADP reset more than Mike Gesicki. This is ridiculous that he's going as a top 12 option at the position. I understand he was a tight end eight last season in fantasy points per game, so maybe people are looking at it. But you also need to look at how he was used and how we expect him to be used this season. Again, targets last year, 53 receptions, six touchdowns. That's great. But where did they come from? 67% of his snaps were in the slot last year, an dot of 11.6 yards, which was fourth among all tight ends in the league. He will not be playing slot wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins again this year unless they live in 11 personnel, which basically would make them four wide receiver sets, right? Unless they live in four wide receiver sets because they just spent a top six selection on their slot wide receiver this year in Jalen Waddell. I I do not understand this Mike Kosicki ADP where he's being drafted, the perception of him. Am I missing something, Hayden Wings? Nope, they just drafted sixth overall pick on the slot receiver and the 81st overall pick on Hunter Long and Mike Gesicki's in a contract season, so uh, I don't understand why they would be force-feeding the ball to Gesicki. Um, kind of like Miles Gaskin, where he got all those screens last year out of necessity. You bring in Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller, and maybe you get something out of Preston Williams this year. Um, it's just it's hard to see the trickle-down to go to all of these guys, and I think that Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker are going to get theirs first, before Gesicki gets too involved. So I'm with you. I wouldn't be drafting him anywhere near ADP. I would rather have the Patriots guys. I would rather roll the dice on Robert Tunyon, and then you can get into your Gesickis. But by then, he's already way gone. Yeah. I'm going to say this as nicely as possible. This is the most egregious drafting out there right now at any position. Mike Gesicki is tied in 11. Uh, All right. Let's close out with this next here, unless you want to hit on any more of these names. I actually wanted to bring up Gerald Everett, who's in tight end six, headlines it, some might say. Uh, Gerald Everett is one of these players who, if we track tight ends that, you know, progress in the league, a lot of them draft in the top two rounds on their second team or their second contract, start developing into good players. And Gerald Everett might have the potential to do that in Seattle, a place where the target tree is obviously DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And they do a lot of great things and, you know, hold a massive market share of that. And I would also suggest a little hint that Gerald Everett and Shane Waldron have a history together. This is true. I I don't have any strong takes for Gerald Everett. I mean, I I get the narrative. The Seahawks always have like eight tight ends that are just like rotating in and out. And like, then you look up and they only get like a red zone touchdown. If they score it great, if not, Um, but I am with you that uh, of this tier, I think that he has the, the highest upside. I would say the only other person, really would be like Jared Cook if he gets really lucky with touchdowns attached to to Justin Herbert. The rest of these guys, it's uh, a combination of the passing offense not being great, being the third or fourth passing option on their own team, or just being completely washed. So it's it's bleak. It's that first it's that first 10 tight ends that we feel good about really. 
Yep. All right. We said this was going to be a short show. Uh, we were right. It was 54 minutes. Good job, Hayden. Uh, so excited to complete all these position groups. Um, again, go back either in the podcast feed on the YouTube channel, watch, listen to the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver, and now our rankings at each position. You can find those in list form on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. If you're in the chat right now, we need you to like and subscribe this video. We're growing each and every day. We appreciate your help. This is fun. We'll be back here on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 1230 Eastern for more shows. Any closing thoughts here, Hayden? That cover it. Got nothing. There's going to be some exciting stuff going up on Underblog soon. Got uh, some new data sets that I'm going to be working with, so stay tuned for that. Some exciting stuff just on Underdog Pier. Go play, deposit anything, skip the guacamole, get a free 25 bucks on us if you use promo code THESHOW. For Hayden Winks, I am Josh Norris. Up the Vela. Talk to you all soon. See ya.